everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. We scour the internet so you don't have to in order to focus on the confirmed news and updates. This episode, we're bringing you the news and updates through October 30th. Last week, we had the amazing Melanie Haney here. She was the official photographer for Skate America, and we thought, why not get the official photographer for Skate Canada to join us this week? So we are joined by the amazing Danielle Earl, the official photographer for Skate Canada International and All Things Canada. I think she's at every skating event in Canada, and she just got back from Skate Canada International. So we are so excited to talk all things Skate Canada with Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Welcome. Hi. How are you guys? We are good. And you really just literally got back. (laughs) Literally, like five minutes ago. Well, we definitely appreciate you joining us to talk about Skate Canada. I had the opportunity to watch a lot more of this competition than I did Skate America, so I will probably participate in the conversation a bit more than I did last week. And I also saw a lot more Skate Canada than I did Skate America, so this should be a good conversation. We are prepared to talk all about the event with you. The first question I have to ask right off the bat, because I asked it to Melanie last week, How was it in the arena? Was it cold? It was so cold. (laughs) It was so cold. The Doug Mitchell Thunderbird Arena is always, I always know to prepare because it's, it's one of the colder rinks that we do events in. And I, when we went to Texas last week, I was thinking it would be like a nice rink that's cozy and a little chilly, but not bad, but it was freezing. And so I hadn't patched properly. So when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, two weeks of really, really cold rinks. Excellent. Can't wait. So it was very cold. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't go home in between Skate America and Skate Canada. You went from Texas to Vancouver? I did. I did. It was easier um, than coming home for like a day. I live pretty far from the airport, so it didn't really make a ton of sense to go home for a day and then spend another like several hours in the car. I just did some work in Vancouver for a couple days, and the weather was beautiful. That is awesome. Yeah, I have never been to Vancouver. I have been to Toronto, Montreal, like eastern part of Canada, but never any events in Vancouver. So I it's highly inter- recommended if you get the opportunity. Vancouver is beautiful. <laughs> it's on my list of places to visit too. I have not been there either, but. Yeah. Just have to go. (laughs) I feel like I've been all over the U.S., so maybe it's time. I think so. Yeah, I think I need to do it when I go to Alaska. Alaska's on my list. I've not been to Alaska. You've been to Alaska a couple months ago. I did. And so I feel like I got to do Alaska and Vancouver at the same time. Cruise from from Vancouver and go up and around Alaska and come back and do Vancouver afterwards. Okay. Or before, whatever you're up to. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Highly recommend it. (laughs) So one of the things we wanted to share um, was something really special with the dresses that the sweepers wore. As we've talked about on this podcast before, we, we, you know, the skating community is very close. And when 
Alexandra Paul passed away. It was an incredibly sad moment for the community as a whole and for her family and friends. There was a very special tribute to her. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, our we call them flower retrievers in the U.S. I believe everyone calls them sweepers. But um, the, the outfits that they wore were designed um, as a tribute to Alexandra Paul's uh, 2014 free dance dress. So they were red and they had like a lace top. And on the skirt, her initials, um, Charlene Bailey designed them, who's a costume designer here in Ontario, where I live. She's a friend of mine, actually. And she um, monogrammed Alex's initials in the skirt. And it was a very touching uh, tribute. When I first saw them, I did a little double take and I went up to the concourse because she had a booth up there. And I said, Charlene, are these, like, is this a tribute to Alex? And she said, yeah, it is. I I wanted to do something to like commemorate her because it's such a close knit skating community, and and it's hard to to like figure out you know what to say, what to do, and it's such a I like to me I thought it was such a thoughtful and touching uh, tribute to her and and to everything that she gave to Canadian skating. Yeah, yeah. The the dresses were this beautiful oh. shade of red. And they just, mm-hmm. the the color just really popped on the ice. And I didn't know anything about this until it started making the rounds on social media. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think it's a beautiful tribute to her, to yeah. Alex and her accomplishments and her as a person. And I'm glad that um, she took the opportunity to do something mm-hmm. like this because it obviously, as much as I've seen it retweeted, it's... It's definitely, you know, had an impact on people. They're very touched by this gesture. I hope they're planning to use the dresses again later in the season. That would be that would be nice. That would be super nice. I'm not sure what the plan is. I know um, often with the sweepers, they get to keep the dresses. Mm. So it's possible we'll see them again, but it's also possible we won't. So it's hard to say. <laughs> Maybe because of like the meaning. Um, they'll kind of think, well, maybe we should use these again because it it clearly resonates with people. And Debbie, Definitely. Debbie Islam was there. That's Alex's mm-hmm. mother-in-law. So I, I'm wondering what she thought of the dresses, if she had made any comments about it. I didn't get a chance to talk to her. It was a very busy two days of competition. Um, but from what I understand, uh, both her and uh, Mitch were very grateful. Oh about and that it was like thoughtful and not you know over the top but it was very like touching it's such a simple way Mm -hmm. i mean if you think about it i'm sure the process of actually creating the dresses and putting it all together was more complicated but it seems like such a simple elegant way to to give a tribute without like you said being over the top it's just very classy which Mm -hmm. I think is an adjective you would use to describe Alex. She was always very classy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely correct. Couldn't agree more. So we can move on. Um, Another thing that came (laughs) out of this competition (laughs) is a little bit of drama around photography positions and seats that had been sold. And I understand this was really a mistake, like a miscommunication. 
Totally. I think there was, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the whole thing, but it seems that there was supposed to be some seats blocked off for photographers and maybe the venue or someone forgot to kill them. And there was, we were just, there was no spots, which is okay. We made it work, <laughs> but definitely it was a, a fun start to the competition for the photographers because we walked in on the first day with an, um, they had the map and they printed it out and, and everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, this is where I'd like to go. Maybe if I get the, a good draw, I can go here. Um, and then on uh, on the, uh, Friday, when we came in for the draw, new map, <laughs> a new map <laughs> with new spots. And those spots were okay. Like they were fine. I always try and think when you're a photographer, it's, you know, you don't always get the best spot. And I think it's a good opportunity to get creative or, or look at things from a different viewpoint. Cause if you're always shooting, you know, from the judge's left side or the right side, then you're always getting the same photos. So if you get the opportunity to shoot from the short end or the back end, um, then it's a great like opportunity to stretch yourself creatively or like just get moments that you would never otherwise get. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's a, a bad thing. <laughs> that the, the spots were different than what we would have expected, but uh, definitely an opportunity for like growth as a, like a creative, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. I know Melanie was right near the kiss and cry and she was taking photos yeah. for the podcast and she got very creative with the kiss and cry photos that she was posting. Um, so, you know, different point of view, you know, not just what was on the ice and even Robin, Robin was like directly across from Melanie. Mm -hmm. She was getting some shots where the skaters were getting really close to the judges and we're seeing that a lot this season in the programs. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple really good shots she got. I mean, one of Piper and Paul really like reaching out to those judges. <laughs> um, That's what I was gonna I was gonna point that one out because I was gonna say I think that to me so far is like the photo of the season. Because it's yeah. so, he's like reaching out and almost touching. And you can see like Sean Rexta like watching like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I was like, wow, what a photo. Like what a cool photo. Yeah. So And that, that's, again, like you said, it can be easy as a photographer to get down on missed opportunities because you start to think, man, if I'd just been in my usual spot, I've been able to get this, this, and this. You have to oh. kind of look at what you can get and know that you're getting photos from an angle that sometimes people don't get photos from. And sometimes those lifts are, that's the yeah. perfect angle yeah. for them. Totally, completely. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I, when you, you know, when you photograph a lot of skating, like Daphne has, like I have, um, like Mel has, like Robin has, it's easy to kind of get like stuck in that, like, oh gosh, I, I had this one opportunity and if I'm not on the judge's side, because that's the side that they perform to, then I'm going to miss whatever. But you never know, you know, when you just change your perspective, what else, like what you're missing on the judge's side, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, I always try and, and at least like every season I kind of have like a big goal on how I want to stretch myself a little bit more. And um, I think like shooting for me this season, it's like shooting from positions that aren't always the easy position. 
Yeah. I, I like getting to stretch creatively. And yeah. there have been opportunities that I've had just from being on a different side or a different angle. And I've got photos that I took not expecting them to be what they ended up being. So again, with, with photographers, it's really sometimes just a make it work moment. Mm -hmm. And it can be really successful because you can get the shots. It took me a while to get to that point to kind of allow myself to just be a little more free creatively. Mm -hmm. But now it's, you know, wherever I go, I will get photos. It's just, you know, <laughs> going to take me a minute to get in the zone. Sure. Well, watching the competition here at home, I was kind of surprised that we got to hear Mark Hanready commentate. Um, not sure if we were supposed to on Peacock, but we had him <laughs> for every <laughs> event except for the men's free. It was really weird. I didn't even realize it until like the second skater. And I was like, oh, wait, where's Mark? And I called up Anne and I was like, Anne, Mark's gone now for men's free. <laughs> but then he was back for the exhibition. But it it was nice to hear him just because, well, except for the Junior Grand Prix, we don't get to hear him that much here in the U.S. Right. And he was explaining a lot for um the for dance especially you know definitely i was learning a lot um you know uh, in the dance event but in canada there was quite the cast of commentators with ted barton oh yeah <laughs> for you know and the english side ken reynolds caitlin osmond kirsten moore towers caitlin weaver and then they had a whole set different set of commentators for the french which i think is mm -hmm. great great use of former competitors coming back and being commentators it was great agree more. <laughs> it was great to see the names when they released the list and i was looking at the photos it was Great to see some of those familiar faces, like Elizabeth Paradis, um, Charlie Bilodeau, oh. Alicia Pinot, and Laurent Starveau, former skaters that I know I photographed at one time or another. So it was great to get to see them um, being able to to serve in this role. Yes. And it was also great to see Patrick Chan and Nam Nguyen throwing out t-shirts to the crowd well i saw nam with a potato gun and i knew he was in <laughs> heaven because we've had him on the podcast before and he it was before he had done it before like he hadn't had a potato gun before and so you know that he's just gonna jump on it and and get into it even more i love how they incorporate skaters as arena hosts yeah i think it mm -hmm. is engaging more engaging for the fans absolutely and i think also yeah nam is born for that role yes he's so good at I it i have to agree <laughs> just so like his enthusiasm is contagious and it's it's so like on the short program day the audience was quite quiet for whatever reason and Nam came out with the t-shirts and his microphone and he riled them right up and it was great. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I think we need to do the t-shirt throw at 
in the U.S. I know we do it at like the exhibition at the very end, but come on, can we do it in between and during our? That'll be so much yeah. fun. Let's bring that. <laughs> I think the fans would love it. I think they'd be surprised, and it would get them excited for the competition, especially for nationals coming up. I think it would be awesome to do that. Absolutely. All right, so I guess we'll start talking about the event itself. Um, and we always start with the men, and I'm going to say it right off the bat. The men's event was not what I expected. Um, first off, I will admit, but I did go back and watch it, that I fell asleep during the men's short program and the men's free skate, and that is just because of the time. It was late here on Friday and late here on Saturday on the East Coast. So um, I, you know, said, I'm going to shut off my computer and just lay down and watch it in bed. Bad mistake. I should know better <laughs> not to do that. But I was, you know, I was completely surprised at the results. <laughs> um, it was just not what I expected. I think I was totally expecting Kalmira and Junman Cha to either be the winners and Soto Yamamoto came right in um, first after the short and then kept that spot to win his first Grand Prix gold medal. Yeah. He set himself Um, up, I think for going to the final again. I mean, to me, that looks like, okay, he had a great season last year. It world's probably wasn't his best competition, but he did pretty well throughout the whole season. I think this sets him up well for the final and maybe continuing some of that momentum that he had last year. I agree. Uh, I His skating, he skates with such abandon and energy It's and speed. It's always completely unbelievable to me, like, how fast he skates. <laughs> it's totally insane in, like, a good way. <laughs> but I know he had a, like a little bit of jump troubles here. Mm-hmm. And I had talked to a couple of the skaters who um, said, mentioned like offhandedly that the ice felt a little bit soft to them. And then I read a quote today that Cal had said similar things. So it's possible that maybe some of our men's troubles had something to do with the ice feeling soft to them. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't want to make it, you know, excuses. Yeah. Interesting. There's also just, you know, such thing as a, a tough day at the office. Right. Yes. Yeah. We all have, have been through that. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and for some, it was a tough day in the short program, like Matteo Rizzo, who yeah. had, you know, finished an eighth after the short and then had a really good free skate and comes up and wins the bronze medal. Total surprise. Um, And then you had Junwon. He was like a brand new skater in the free yeah. skate. Like, night and day difference between those two. And I was fascinated by that. And I was awake for his free skate <laughs> at that point. It was the it was the last group. But, uh, you know, that I missed live. Um, but, yeah, he... I was such a surprise in a good way, too. And now um, he's won... I think this is his fourth bronze medal on the Grand Prix. Um, so he's oh, hoping wow. for another color other than bronze, but hey, I was you know shocked to see him actually get a medal. And it, and he, I was reading a quote. He said it was only fifteen points that separated him um, from Soda in after the short program, 
And you think about it, 15 points is a lot of ground to make up, but it really is only like with what the men are doing now could be one element itself. It's just that much, you know, 15 points. So, yeah. And then, of course, and then Jun Cha, you know, it went the other way for him in the free skate. It was just tough. Well, we're still, we're really still early-ish in the season. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to peak right now. So if you think about it, you know, mistakes like this are going to happen. People are going to have a bad skate. We've seen it happen time and time again. Even the best of the best have a bad day. Mm -hmm. So hopefully he'll take this experience and learn from it going towards his next event. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that, like, these are humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> humans are imperfect. They're just, most of them are young adults or teenagers. So, you know, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> Your body is changing. <laughs> the ice feels weird. Your got jet lag. It's yeah, tough. right. Ice is slippery, as we always yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing we know, ice is slippery. Yes, yeah. Was there anyone else in the men's event for you that was like standout performance or, you know, you really enjoyed photographing their program? I was happy to see Mark Gurnitsky skate a clean long. Mm-hmm. I, I've watched Mark since he grew up in Canada. So I've, you know, watched him come up from like pre-juvenile. <laughs> and uh, so it's always nice when I get to see him skate again, because of course, he competes for Israel now, but so I don't see him on the national circuit. But um, <laughs> when I do see him, it's always a, a treat. And uh, it was really nice. I saw him at Autumn Classic and I loved his short program there. And then he had a bit of a tough go in the long. But then this weekend, he had such a great like skate in the long. And I was really happy to see that from him. Yeah, I think he's a skater who has really started to come onto the scene. Like people are Mm -hmm. paying attention. If he puts the two programs together, Mm -hmm. it's going to come down to that. Like he's got to get both programs. He's got to do two clean performances. For sure. He just has very um, tidy jump technique, which I like. Yeah. Very like aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. It's exciting to see him, um, really start to come into his own well we can move on to the women and Kaori Sakamoto is skating like the two-time world champion that she is I mean there was no surprise that she won this event um I mean she had a huge lead over Shayan Kim who was just making her senior Grand Prix debut. She skated well to win the silver, her first Grand Prix medal. And then maybe the surprise for me in this event was Reno Matsuki, who I she only has one Grand Prix event right now. And I I don't know if I expected her to finish third. I might have been thinking... Um, Rinka Watanabe or Madeline Skizis. 
And so it was a surprise to see her, um, you know, win the bronze medal. Um, so it's unfortunate right now. She only has the one Grand Prix event. So we'll have to see if she, you know, gets another Grand Prix event. But I think for me in the free skate, other than, you know, the great performance by Kaori Sakamoto, it would have to be the second best free skate of Madeline Skizis, who moved up from eighth after the short program to finish in fourth overall. I think, uh, you know, I was so bummed with her short, you know, I was like, oh, come on, Madeline, you got to get it together here at Skate Canada. And she did that. She had the redemption in that free skate. And it was, again, probably my favorite program of the women's event. So you got to be there when she did that free skate. So tell me a little bit about how the arena was after she had that great performance. I think going into her last jump, everyone was kind of like holding their breath. Like she has one more jump. She has one more jump. What is she going to do? And uh, I remember in my head thinking um, as she was going into it, Maddie, stay calm. (laughs) And when she landed at the like arena lit up, they knew that she had had like the best skate since probably the Olympics, I want to say, like the team event at the Olympics. And uh, it was like standing ovation. You could tell she was so thrilled. It was really like, it was a really nice moment. I know um, Canada is not necessarily always known for their strength in lady skating. Um, but I think Maddie and uh, is like, is such a great role model for the kids coming up. She she obviously works hard. She's very um, good, at, like very good. But she also has like this um, sense of humor about it all that is so refreshing. She doesn't seem to like take things super, like she takes it seriously, obviously, but she doesn't seem to get too caught up in the nitty gritty of it all. And I know that she was like mad after the short program and you could tell that it was like fueling the fire for her to to have this like incredible free program. And I was really like, so happy for her that she was able to get it done and like so clean I've never seen her jump better she's like program she's also one that I think if she can put two programs together she's in the metal mix she's just got to do them both like the way that she can if she can get her short (laughs) if she gets her short (laughs) if she can nail her short like this free skate she can be in the mix. It's just totally. she's got to put it together. Yeah, the pieces and I think are these there. Programs fit her so well this year. Like her programs are just like perfect for her. And I love her short, and I can't wait to see it clean. We saw it in the summer, and it was pretty clean. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a showstopper once we get all the like jump jump sorted out. It's going to be so good. And so I I'm hoping like she can continue to build. I think she's going to Cup of China next, so I'm hoping she has a good skate there and can build on what she just did here because it was really, like, really nice to watch. I love love that costume, too, that light blue. It's a pretty, looks really good on her, and photos were looking good um, with that costume. Um, Anybody (laughs) else that you thought, I mean, other than the top four there that you enjoyed? you know, watching and this weekend? Um, I was 
proud. I maybe she didn't have the best skate, uh, but I was proud of of Kaya Reuter coming up from junior to debut at her uh, first senior Grand Prix. Um, I know she's she's kind of been like in the wings in Canada a little bit, and she suffered with a few injuries, and so she's kind of like starting to make her way back. Um, Kaya is another one I've I've watched grow up essentially. Um, I I think I photographed her very first skating competition ever. Um, and so it's really kind of, for me, I'm like, oh, look at her go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I know she had a tough weekend, but like everything in skating, you can probably learn more from the tough weekends than, than the great weekends. So, um, I think, uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds for her. Um, I was a little bummed that Rinka, who won last year, didn't have as good of a skate as as last year, and I that I was hoping for because I would have put in like put her on the podium if I did fantasy skating, which I used to do when I had time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to give that up because it's just not enough time to to do everything that needs to get done with yeah. podcasting and websites and photos. I just put the predictions in my head and then yep. that way Yeah, I'm like ranking them up here. They're up yep. here. That way if I'm wrong, no one else knows except me. <laughs> exactly. And I don't have to be embarrassed. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I thought I was excited for Maddie and excited for Kaya and ex- and I was a little, you know, disappointed that Rinka didn't have the skate cuz I know she trained in Vancouver for a long time. Or maybe not a long time, but you know, she trained in Vancouver, and uh, I'm sure she wanted to to give her friends and family in Vancouver a good performance as well. So I'm sure she was a little bit bummed about that, but you know, that's skating. <laughs> so let's go ahead and transition to the pairs. We can't talk about the pairs without mentioning how incredible Deanna Stilato Dudek and Maxime Deschamps look. Holy cow. What a, what a queen. <laughs> I think I texted our group and I said, I want to be Deanna Stiletto Dudek when I'm 40, which is only less than a year away. Okay. And um, I don't think I'm going to be Deanna, but she's just living the good life right now. I mean, oh. She was just incredible to watch. They've never looked better. Oh, they look so confident and so strong. And like, you can see they've got like that fire burning inside of them. Then they're like, they're one track mind to Montreal for worlds. I think they want, they want to win this year. And I can like, I can see it. (laughs) Yeah. I think they set a bar. They're continuing to (laughs) set a bar this year with their performances. I think that they're setting themselves up to be the ones to beat. Completely agree. Yeah. Their programs are so cool and like fresh and it feels really like, you know, you could kind of see the trajectory of the season and, and how they're going to be definitely in the fight there, which is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. What I took too from their performances, it was a good performance, but there's still room for Mm -hmm. them to get Mm -hmm. even better. And that's what you want at this time of the season. You don't want to go out there and have your best performance be in October. You need to build throughout the season to get to it. 
Totally. Yeah. And I think... I think... Yeah, I was going to say, I think Deanna's face at the end of her free skate, you know, she looked like really like so happy and so angry and all of this. Like, I think that was just to show that they had finally had a really good free skate. I know their free skate has like last season was not always the most clean. And so I think she was just, you know, really happy with the fact that they were able to pull off a really good free skate. Um, but I know that's, this is not what, yeah. Okay. Winning skate Canada is great, but she's got her eyes set on that world podium. And, and I, I, again, I don't want to mess with Deanna right now. I think she's just, (laughs) she's just a beast. And, and it's, it's just, it's such an inspiration watching her. I mean, I went and I looked up the fact that her first Skate Canada International was 2000. Half of the competitors, maybe even more of the, most of the competitors, I should say, probably weren't even born when she competed at her first Skate Canada. And now 23 years later, she's the Skate Canada International champion. It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. (laughs) That's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, and like, for whoever says that, you know, skaters are old when they get to whatever, like 25 or whatever it is, she's proving them wrong, like left, right, and center. And I'm so happy to watch it happen because I just love, like, like, she's got such a great story. And Max, too. Max has skated for so long. And I'm so glad that he's getting the success as well because mm-hmm. he's worked for it as well. Well, in the silver medal position, Maria Pavlova, Alexei Svetchenko, um, not a team that's been together that long. Last season, they didn't have a Grand Prix assignment. This is their first Grand Prix as a team. This was a great step for them to you know, in fourth after the short program to finish second in the free skate and pull up to get the silver medal, making a case for themselves that they could be a team in the mix at some point. Granted, though, we are talking about them being more than 20 points behind. Um, But still, you know, for a second-year team, this is great. Yeah. It's yeah, a good exactly. spot for them to be in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another... They had some... So- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Danielle. Oh, I just thought I their elements were very solid. I Their lifts were good. They had a very fun... I don't know if anybody watched the gala, but their gala program was very funny. They did Austin Powers. So they like seem like they're having a good time. Um, I definitely wouldn't have put them in my predictions for a medal. But no. But, uh, like, you know, they capitalized on others mistakes and and put it out there what they could do and had a a good a good long program and that's sometimes what you got to do i'm interested to see how they develop over the future yeah in in um so lucretia bakari mateo goris finished third again they were second in the short program finished fourth in the free but were able to hold on they're having a decent season so far in a field, um, an Italian pair is 
continues to grow because this gives them yet another to to be able to put in the mix. So it's going to be interesting to see um, Italian nationals in pairs. It's something Gina and I've been talking about since we started this podcast. Um, the fact that Matteo didn't retire. Yeah. He just, he wanted to continue. I mean, that's, that's commendable. And also putting oh. into practice that skaters aren't retiring at the age of 30 or 28 like they used to. In pairs, mm-hmm. they're staying longer. And part of me he... thinks he wants to compete at a home Olympics um, is why he stayed in. So, um, it's... I can you blame him? <laughs> no. So, um... no, you can't. Yeah. But he's 35. Again, he's 35 and he's still competing. So, I mean. His partner is keeping up easily. Like, she's great. She's a little firecracker. She's got great uh, personality on the ice. Like, I really enjoyed their show program was one of my favorite programs of the day. I think it was really beautifully choreographed. Their long is cats, which is kind of silly and fun. (laughs) I I like cats. I like the camp of it all, but I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> um, but I, um, yeah, their short program was beautiful. And they they started the event off so strong. And I was like, well, if we're going to get pairs like this all the way through, what a great pair <laughs> How lucky are we? <laughs> uh, the last team that I wanted to mention was Anastasia Golubova and Hector Giotopoulos Moore. Last year's Junior Grand Prix final champions competing in their first senior season, like complete senior season, uh, fourth place, third in both phases of the event. It's a great debut for this young team. Um, we're looking at a team that could be one of the pairs of the future. Do they have a tri- do they have a triple triple in the wall? Hold on, I'll look it up. One thing I found very one thing I found very interesting. About them is their programs are choreographed by Jonathan Guerrero. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. I hadn't realized that. Yes, they do. They have a triple-triple in the free skate, which is great because that's not a common element in pairs. Yeah. Which is very exciting. I didn't think that they looked like one of those, well, here's your junior champions coming to senior. I think they look like they fit in. Yes, they looked a little bit younger, but they it wasn't like, oh, this team doesn't belong because they're too young. It to me they just seem like a young senior team yeah i would agree they definitely been with the and they did like seem young but not in a way that like stood out in a negative way like they were fresh and they're they're i love umbrellas and their free their free program was very lovely and of course she had a purple dress on, so I do love purple. Me too, Danielle. Purple. Oh something about purple. It's What's just something? it's a it's a great color. Top tier color. Okay, so Definitely. since we're talking about color, I think this is a good transition into dance. So we can talk about the color on Piper Gillis's rhythm dance. She heard us complaining about no color, and she said, I'll give you color. <laughs> she, <And> she did. <laughs> I, I loved it. I think I, I commented too. to our group that she looked like she walked right out of the club. 
And I meant that in like the best <laughs> way possible. She really, I mean, that costume was fantastic. It's yeah. just, it it's so me- bright. And so... 13 going on 30 vibes in the best way. Yes! <laughs> it... I loved that movie. That per- the performance looked so solid, and so they just looked really prepared to me. Especially yeah, in the they rhythm looked, dance. Yeah. The rhythm dance is, is, like, the perfect theme for a team like Piper and Paul. Yes. They can do it justice like mm-hmm. almost no one else. They can... Like they're so comfortable with getting kind of weird and, and wacky with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love and I just and that's all like when they announced the eighties, I uh I was like, Oh, I hope somebody goes like full camp. Mm-hmm. I just want camp <laughs> color, crazy <laughs> yes. hair, crazy makeup, <laughs> and Piper and Paul delivered. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely did. Specifically Piper in her costume. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted Paul to have a little bit more color. Because sometimes I think I was just yeah. so drawn to Piper that I, he was kind of just like in the background and I wanted him to just to stand out a little bit more. So maybe he just needs like a little greenish blue to kind of add to her, to go with her. Uh, he can make the zipper on his shirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just that. that just a little green. something. Because... because in the 1980s, men wore color. Yeah. Like it wasn't all black. But I can see as we've gone through this season and I see some of the rock programs, I see why the skaters and coaches chose black because the black pleather is very 80s rock. However, so is bright blue, bright red and other (laughs) colors because it was a movement. I mean, there's so much in that decade. It was more bright than just the black. So I, yeah, we need a little more color. I feel like in some ways the juniors got the memo a bit more than the seniors did. But still, there's a lot of black. So I really would love to see some more color. I've edited a ton of photos from both the Junior Grand Prix and the Challenger Series. And I just, you know what, my color basket isn't full yet. I need some more. (laughs) need more color <laughs> so this was another opportunity that we got to see lila fear and lewis gibson who who of course won the silver medal um i think the rhythm dance fits squarely within their wheelhouse they're they're great at these um energetic different pieces they've done the blues brothers before they've done Vogue. They've done these other programs, so this really fit in there. And then it was like for the free dance, they took the box and smashed it to pieces and went in such a different direction as far as this is something I've never seen in Ice Dance before. I've never seen someone take a theme like Rocky and turn it into a, a program and have it be an ice dance like it's just not something i've ever really seen and as the season goes on i like it more but i'm still trying to to get into it and understand it better mark hanready was wonderful on the commentary because he explained more um to the audience about the strong female athlete component of it 
I think, Gina, we got to get Lila and Lewis on the podcast to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. And it's I feel like it's a program I need to see in person. In person. Before yeah. I can, like, really give my thoughts on it. Um, yeah. Because you know, it's just so different. And I think you maybe got to experience it, Danielle, but seeing it in person may have a totally different effect than watching it on TV. Yeah, for sure. You can kind of feel the energy. Well, you can feel the energy more in person. Like the audience really liked it. Like they got into it. They were cheering. They were clapping. They got the um, and second loudest, I want to say cheer from the audience. Obviously, Piper and Paul are Canadian uh, mm-hmm. legends in ice dance. So uh, and they were at home. But but Lila and Lewis are, are such fan favorites and, and they always know how to pick a theme that is so uniquely them. And uh, I, it's definitely grown on me and seeing it in person, you can see the speed, you can like, you know, feel the energy of the crowd watching it. Like I got it. <laughs> Once you see it in person, it's definitely a a bigger, it has like packs more oomph than than like sometimes online can do. And that's why I always advocate for people to watch skating in person if you can, because yes. seeing yeah. it live and seeing how fast they actually go and how crazy these lifts are in person, like it, when it, a TV camera is tracking them at the same speed that they're skating, it's really hard to gauge just how fast and how powerful they are. So um, yeah, I, I, it, was, it was a really cool to have seen it on like a live stream and then see it in person, it's a totally different experience. And I really, I, I found myself really getting into it. And I was like, go off, queen, punch him, <laughs> win. <laughs> and this music, I mean, let's be, let's, let's be real. Rocky, the music from Rocky, it, it's kind of empowering. It just, when you oh. hear it, it takes you to the first time you saw the movie. And it's, it's just... There's something about it, and I think a general skating audience, this is something they may have seen, this is a movie they may have seen, and they're mm-hmm. just excited about it. Yeah. And they can connect to that. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, Rocky on Ice? Love. Yes. And I can see it, honestly, in Montreal, I can see it really totally. being mm-hmm. something the audience gets into. Well, it's so fun. Their whole character stuff is like a, a boxing match. It's very cool. And the end, in the end, when she's like, I won. It's very <laughs> I wanted to just mention one thing. Piper and Paul's free dance. I want, that's one I want to see in person as well. Um, just seeing it the first time mm-hmm. through, I was kind of like, hmm, is this one of like, is this a program that I'm going to really enjoy? I, I, you know, I had, it's, I feel like I got to see it again. Um, Cause after a, I just, I mean, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful, but I was so, like, all of their previous programs, and and maybe it's because Piper posted Instagram with all her previous, their previous (laughs) programs through the years from Skate Canada, but it was just like, I'm thinking Vincent, and I'm just thinking Evita from last year, and I was like, is this one that's really going to be like a top program for them i i i don't know so i just yeah i 
I got to see that one again. I thought, I mean, I uh, thought it was beautiful. Watching it, just I just need to see it again, is my thought. In practice, I was like a little iffy. I was like, oh, interesting. I don't know that I understand the like pale pink glamoury yeah. costumes um, with the like kind of sinister music. <laughs> uh, and, and, but we only saw sections of it in practice. And I was like, I don't know that I'm feeling it. And then I watched the full free dance. And I was like, okay, no, I get it. Like, once you put it all together okay. and you can, it, like, it's, like, Vincent was, like, an instant hit. And this is definitely, um, they, they, they're very prepared. And they're very, like, they were, didn't look at all like they hadn't done 5,000 run-throughs because they clearly have. <laughs> um, and, and, but it was, you know, when you, the first time you see a program, you're like, okay, I got to think about this. Like, what do I love? What do I mm-hmm. like? Interesting. Um, it's hard to see it for the first time at a Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, but once I once I watched them do the full thing, I was like, okay, yes, yes, yes. I get it. I get it. And they had said that their their pale pink costumes, they're like grayish pink in person. Um, and it's supposed to represent that. Now, forgive me because I've never read Withering Heights or seen the movie. But it's supposed to represent that he, like, I guess, becomes a a ghost at some point. Yep. Okay. That, what, yeah. So that has something. And they, I don't know. Okay. They didn't want to go literal period piece costumes. Which I can respect because those are usually heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I need to see it again. It was just like Maddie and Evans. I said the same thing last week. I needed to see their free dance again. I think it's just the first totally. time out. You know, especially at a Grand Prix, and you're just like, okay, you know, how am I feeling yeah. about this? And and of course, I'm sure by the end of the season, those programs are going to change and evolve, um, especially since it was their first time out with them, and, you know, the first time the judges are seeing them, so of course they're going to make changes to them, and, and by the time I see it for, like, the second, third, fourth, fifth, X amount of times... Um, it's going to be a completely, you know, different program from what, you know, we saw this weekend and last totally. weekend. And I, again, will advocate for watching it in person. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know that's not possible for everybody, but, uh, it, it really does make a difference. Like the energy mm-hmm. it's, there's something there. I, their lifts were amazing. Yeah. There's that one, that first one where he like picked her up. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Very <photogenic. laughs> It reminds me a bit of their Hitchcock program, which I can't believe is yeah. a decade ago. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think about that. <laughs> yeah, the music and a little bit of the choreography, it's got that vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But you can tell in the performance they're really committed. Yo, to the story. Yeah. Oh, 100%. totally. Like I was saying earlier, that picture that Robin took of, of her like reaching into the judges on their character step, I was like, Dang, that is such a good <laughs> moment. Yeah. Feel whatever she's like feeling. Yeah. Well it's so good. Yeah. Allison Reed and Solius Ambrulovicius of Lithuania won their first Grand Prix medal. This is the first one for Lithuania since 2011. Just great. Um Perfect. Their programs, uh, the free dance in particular, has a unique theme 
-hmm. about basically social media and how distracted we all are. Yeah. And I kind of dug it. Like, I thought it was interesting. I thought they told the story well. I get the impression there's more room in Mm -hmm. the program for it to grow. But I think Mm -hmm. for a first outing, this was good. Um, I was kind of, you know, she had the picture of Chris with her in the kiss and cry. And yeah, it just gets me every time, you know, talking about Alex, Paul earlier Mm -hmm. and then talking about Chris now with the picture just reminds me how many skaters and not just skaters, but journalists and people in the skating community that we've lost over the last, you know, five years, even it's, Mm -hmm. it's just been hard. Um, A tough season. Yeah, for sure. So, I was very happy for them. She was so endearing, and the good, like their like hug and the kiss and cry when they realized they had won a medal. It was so sweet, and they've worked. She's worked for so long. I mean, he has too. But I, I remember watching as a kid watching the Vancouver Olympics. Yep, and yeah. seeing all the reeds. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And Allison skating for I think it was Georgia. Yes. yes. Yep. And she was so young, and and now look. Like, look at her go. She, like, another testament, like, you know, like Deanna of, like, the longevity yeah. in sport and, like, really dedicating your whole life to to improving yeah. in whatever way you can. Yeah. Like, very happy for her. Well, my other favorite program of the free dance, I, I really enjoyed the, the dance event, um, but I was really enjoying um emmy zingus and vadim kolesnik's free dance to beauty and the beast first when they came off came out in red i was like i know you're skating to beauty and the beast why are you in red but then as the music went and it's not a typical beauty and the beast program you know no it's definitely not and she's supposed to be the rose that's why they're red i guess it's she's supposed to be the rose but Watching them, and this is the first time I saw them this season because I don't think I saw them compete on the Challenger series. Um, I, th- I think I just wasn't didn't watch the stream. Um, it's just incredible that she is only in her like second season of Ice Dance. <laughs> she was a single skater, which you see that incorporated in both their rhythm dance and their free dance. Some of her you know, single skating skills, but it's just, you know, watching her and I'm like, oh my God, you just started ice dance last season. It's just, it's crazy. And, and they, uh, finished fifth overall, um, behind the Browns who competed back to back, um, Skate America and now Skate Canada and such an improvement, um, in their skating this season, but then the scores really showed an improvement from just a week ago. Um, and again, that could be, you know, two different, uh, judging panels, you know, but, um, seeing a lot of growth with them, especially since, you know, they are working with the ice Academy of Montreal. Um, I, to speak on the Browns a little bit, cause I saw them last week and this week, I did think that they looked stronger this mm-hmm. week. They looked more confident. They looked smoother. So I think the, like that reflection in the scores is is accurate and not necessarily just because it was a different panel. 
like they did feel it just felt more confident from them this week so and whether that's because like it's it's a more pressure to compete at home in front of a home audience or they were just like let's get this one done because <laughs> <laughs> we've competed like four times in the past month and a half but yeah they looked really good and really strong and I'm really happy for them yeah I think the only thing I want to add before we transition out of Skate Canada is I think that Ava Pate and Logan by at this competition their free dance continues to grow I think um since the last time since we saw it at Autumn Classic I know the score was lower here but so, you know going from a Challenger Series event to a Grand Prix the scores are not off always like apples and apples sometimes it fluctuates mm -hmm. and i think the program does continue to grow i think um they're committed to it i think there's just you know there's more room to grow there to see where they end up because coming into this grand prix series they were the team from the u.s that had was the highest ranked as far as they had won autumn classic so is there anything, Danielle, that you would like to add before we transition to other events? Um, I think uh, I want to give like an honorable mention, I guess, to May Berenice Mete. I know she was coming back from, I think, what it was like two, both of her Achilles tendons maybe were torn. And I know she maybe didn't have the competition she was hoping for at this event, but it was really great to see her back on the ice. She brings such a uh, like unique and beautiful uh, style of skating to uh, any field that she's in. And, and we're really lucky to have a skater like her, who is like such a, an amazing performer. And she got an invite to the gala and uh, she really like, she performed the heck out of her gala program. And I was like, I can't wait to see her when she's like back in like top, top competition shape because I know that she'll like, she's going to be so amazing. So I was really happy to see her back and I just wish, I want to wish her like nothing but the best. And I'm glad that she, she uh, made the trek to Canada. Well, I think we did it. We got through Skate Canada. Thank you, Danielle, for being with us yes. on this. My pleasure. It's an Thank adventure yeah. through this Grand Prix. <laughs> and I mean, two Grand Prix down, four to go. Four to go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> We're well on our way to the Grand Prix final. <laughs> It'll be here before we know it. <laughs> well, we did have other competitions going on this week. Um, there are two Swiss Ice Skating Open and the Ternavia Ice Cup. We'll we will have those listed in the show notes. Wanted to point out a couple of things from. Japan's first of two sectional qualifying competitions, the Western Sectional, Senior and Junior Singles and Ice Dance took place at this competition. The cool things about it, Nobunari Oda, who was in seventh after the short program, came back and nailed two quads in his free skate to win at the Western Sectionals. Meiko Yamashita won the women's event. And a bit of a surprise in the ice dance. Um, Masato, Komatsubara, and Tim Coletto had a fall on a dance spin, which resulted in a lot of points lost. 
they actually finished in third, and the title was won by Yutana Yoshida and Masaya Morita. Uh, they trained in Japan with Kathy Reed and a team of coaches there. Um, the rest of the results, of course, will be in our show notes. So moving on to general skating news. Um, unfortunately, Team USA's Caitlin Hawag and John Luke Baker withdrawn from both of their Grand Prix events, France and Japan. In an Instagram post, they mentioned they took a fall that resulted in a concussion for Jean-Luc. While the recovery is going well, they said they learned that concussions are not an injury to rush the process of returning from. So they do hope to return for the U.S. Championships. Lorraine McNamara and Anton Spiridonov have been assigned to NHK Trophy, which will be their second Grand Prix event, and they will be there in place of Caitlin and Jean-Luc. And Olivia Smart and Tim Deke were invited to replace Joachim Baker in the Grand Prix de France this week. Well, Italy's Daniel Grossel has withdrawn from Grand Prix de France and NHK Trophy. Canada's Steven Golgolev will replace him in France this week, and Wesley Chu will replace him at NHK Trophy. The 2023 World Pairs champions Riko Miura and Ryuichi Kihara of Japan have withdrawn from their second Grand Prix event, at NHK Trophy. Team USA's Emily Chan and Spencer Howe have also withdrawn from their second Grand Prix event. Lucrezia Beccari and Matteo Guaris of Italy and Chelsea Liu and Balash Nagi of the U.S. have been assigned to NHK Trophy to replace those two teams. Well, we have an update on the Pirouette World Edition. Um, we got that update today that the layout for the inaugural Pirouette World Edition is finished, and now they have to go through it and make some corrections and fine-tune everything. Um, this came from Tatiana saying, we can't wait to go to print and send the magazine to you, but things need a little more time than anticipated. Um, however, they are a big step closer to us getting our hands on that Pirouette World Edition, and um, Tatiana and her team will be keeping us updated. Now, for those of you who chose the magazine as a reward, please make sure that your address is still accurate. So if you need to update that, please reach out to um, Pirouette World Edition to do so, and um, Tatiana and the team is very thankful for the continued support and patience with this uh, magazine. I'm looking forward to it. And I Me know too. that, you know, it's always the first one out. It, it takes a little longer. Um, so I, you know, it, I'm excited for it. Um, it's sounding like it's getting closer. So yes, definitely. Well, moving on to recent articles and interviews. Tara Lipinski was in the news um, on the Today Show, People Magazine, because Tara Lipinski is now the mom of a beautiful baby girl named Georgie Winter. Um, and so she talked about the surrogacy journey because um, the baby was born via surrogate. And um, there's photos, videos, there's a lot of stuff. So we will put a whole bunch of news articles about Tara and Todd, her husband, and their new baby girl Georgie in our show notes. So SkateGuard blog had an article on the 1975 Skate Canada International competition. Well, Golden Skate has been busy and they had three articles this week. Yilam Kim talks about her fresh approach for the season. After Skate America, Kevin Amos spoke with Judith about his goals and aspirations for the season. 
And after Skate Canada, Junma Chats talked with Judith about the event. Um, it was a really good video interview, so definitely check those out in the show notes. Well, Beverly Smith over at Bev Smith Writes had multiple articles. She has an article on Madeline Skeezis, one on Piper Gillis and Paul Poirier, and one on Deanna Stilato Dudek and Maxime Deschamps. Yeah, she was following the competition this weekend for sure. Absolute Skating had a going in-depth article with Japanese skater Kashiro Shimada. So moving on to social media updates. So Skate Canada had a bunch of social media posts, including a photo of the Flower Girl dresses that were inspired by Alexander Paul's 2014 Olympic free dance costume. Of course, the outfits, as we mentioned earlier, were designed by Charlene Bailey. They also had an Unforgettable Moments video and best kiss and cry reaction this weekend when the scores were announced, of course, Deanna Stilato Dudek when the free skate scores were announced. I'm surprised we couldn't hear her all the way from Vancouver. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Diversify Ice Foundation posted their founder, Joel Savory's speech in accepting the Will Sears Award at the Ice Theater of New York's Fall Frolic, which was this past Friday at the Sky Rink in New York City. And Megan Stewart, coaches who coaches at the Johnny Weir Skating Academy, shared photos with Ty Babylonia, Eto Wilson, and others who attended the event, including Emmanuel Savory. Patrick Chan will be on Panasonic's Instagram Live on Monday, October 30th, 7.30. And someone who was missing at Skate Canada this week was Keegan Messing, but Keegan and his family were enjoying the start of wild ice season in Alaska this past week, so you definitely want to check out his Instagram reel. We'll put that in our show notes. So, after six weeks of Naomi Williams being off the ice from surgery for a torn ligament in her ankle, Lachlan Luer posted that he's super excited to get back into training and finish out the season on a high note. Naomi also posted an Instagram story captioned that says her injury happened in mid-August, and about a month later she had surgery to repair the ligament in her foot. She's been in physical therapy and working really hard to get better and get back to competition at the end of the season. Well, moving on to upcoming events for the week. As we said, we are now on to Grand Prix number three, which is Grand Prix de France. So we are heading to Europe. It's taking place November 3rd to the 5th in Angers, France. Well, Eastern Sectionals is upon us as the 2024 Eastern Sectional Singles Final will take place in Coral Springs, Florida from November 1st through the 5th. Yeah, definitely. That means dance final is coming up. Two weeks, two weeks, <laughs> two weeks. I'm Someone's so excited. excited. <laughs> so excited. Anne and I are going to have a blast um, in Bloomington. Yes, you will. And I can't wait to hear about it. Well, after a few weeks of no Challenger events, the Challenger Series continues this week with Dennis Ten Memorial. It's the seventh Challenger Series event of nine. And this is for singles and dance. There is also an ISU Junior Singles and Dance competition. And this is November 2nd to the 5th in Almaty, Kazakhstan. Well, Riga Latvia is hosting Volvo Open Cup from November 2nd through the 5th. And Japan's second of two sectional qualifying competitions, Easterns, 
Seniors, Juniors, Singles, and Pairs is taking place November 2nd to the 5th in Haochi-Ohi, Japan. Well, that brings us to the end of our playing content. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com. And Melanie was at Skate Canada. So we will be posting some photos from Skate Canada on our website. So definitely make sure you go check out that website um, later this week. And on social media, we are on the site formerly known as Twitter at this WK in skating. And then Facebook and Instagram, it's this week in skating. We're also on threads. We love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. We appreciate the support we received via email and social media. Please keep it coming. And we want to remind you that we now have a Patreon that is linked from our website. You can find it at patreon.com slash thisweekinskating. We like to end our episode by shining a lens on what's going on at our respective websites. Over at IDC, I had photos and a recap from Skate Canada. And I also have photos from Japan Western sectionals. They had six senior ice dance teams, so it was great to see a larger field of teams for Japan. And of course, it had some kind of crazy results. Well, over at FSO, it's photos and recap from Skate Canada. My Grand Prix tracker is up and it's updated, so make sure you keep checking that out throughout the Grand Prix series. Uh, My Grand Prix de France hub will be up midweek, along with Mara's coverage of the ISU Adult International Competition in Nashville. She had a great time there, so definitely check that out later in the week. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a nice week!